Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, folks. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Payal. And I am a traveler who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my Melting Pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures, whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi, viewers and listeners. Welcome to another Melting Pot episode uh, with me, Payal. And today I'm in conversation with a very, very special guest. Uh, my guest today is Alexandra Kutas. Alexandra is talking to me from London. She wears many, many hats, and I'm going to leave it to her to talk about all of that. But I can say that she is the founder of Puffins Fashion, co-founder of Puffins Fashion. And But that's not all there is to Alexandra. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So Alexandra, um, I think we'll talk about Puffin's fashion to, like towards the end of the conversation. <laughs> kind of logically. <laughs> logically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'd like to know more about you. I think you're from Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was born and raised in Ukraine and I lived there till the age of 24, I think. Okay, so a little bit about you, because I know that, you know, what's very, very inspirational is that you are on a wheelchair. And you were the first, if I'm not mistaken, wheelchair model in, I don't know whether it was the entire world or in some part of the world. And how did you get into fashion? And a little bit, you know, about your culture, where you come from, would be an interesting starting point. Sure. So yes, uh, I'm world's first runway model in the wheelchair. Where I was the first one who modeled in uh, New Delhi, Kiev in New York on the runway, which covers three different continents. And I'm originally from Ukraine. I was born in city Dnipro. I had a birth injury due to doctor's mistake. So I've been in a wheelchair my whole life. And funny enough, usually... Sorry, what I, is the, what's I, the injury? What what exactly is the injury? Spinal cord injury. So they pulled out me too quickly. And um, I was, uh, as far as I know, I was in a coma for uh, some time. 
right after the birth, but I survived. And that's actually quite interesting because I'm 27 years old now. And still by this day, I go to the doctor for an appointment and I ask like, you know, what happened? Why am I in a wheelchair? And I tell them that story. They say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, well, it's fine. It's been 27 years. You know, I kind of got over it. (laughs) Uh, And this actually bothers me uh, that people still have perception of disability as a consequences of a tragedy so subconsciously we we kind of see disability as the tragedy but I I really would like to reshape that uh, understanding and perception because I think it's more like victory of life because the other way that it could go I could be I could just die after such a serious injury but instead I survived and I lived already 70 like 27 years I gave a birth to a, a child last year wow, congratulations. Um, mother and you know as, um, of course disability do put certain limits and certain difficulties but to be honest most of them are because the world is not accessible enough this is why for me it's super exciting to be talking to you from Singapore because I know it's on the many lists. It's one of the most accessible cities in the world. And I still have never been there. And I'm very (laughs) curious how the life in the most accessible city in the world looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... To bring some context, well, where I was born and raised in Ukraine, Ukraine is a wonderful, very beautiful country with very kind people and uh, amazing food. But unfortunately difficult political situation right for quite a long time on many different levels especially situation got worse uh, since the war with Russia in 2014 but so Ukraine is still kind of fighting for basic essential needs as safety for the country and the questions as uh, accessibility for uh, elderly and people with disabilities is on the radar, but hasn't been taken into serious actions as yet. So wherever I would go, I would be the only person in the wheelchair most of the times. I was the first and the only child at my school in the wheelchair. And uh, why did I go to a regular school where all other kids were? was mostly because of my mom's strong will to happen so. And as well as the support of the teachers, because she herself used to study at that school. So they wanted to support her and her family. And I graduated from there as well. As well, I was the only person in my university who was in a wheelchair attending the lectures every day as the other regular students. Even though my faculty, I studied psychology. And my faculty was on the fourth floor with no elevator, only stairs. And the only way that that could be possible was through the help of my classmates. Um, So some of them like became my really close friends up to this moment. And uh, and now it's uh, strong guys. And sometimes I joke that they owe me money for all that workout they had (laughs) for four years. me up to the fourth floor every day for the lectures 
to be honest, now living already for almost three years in London and enjoying more or less accessible environment, I can't imagine how did I do that back then. But I guess I had a lot of motivation and it was something like if something wasn't accessible, it didn't matter because any nothing was really accessible. So it was more question of how strong is your motivation to actually do something or go. And I really enjoyed my mostly, especially first three years studying at university. And I was very passionate about psychology. So that obstacle, I knew that shouldn't stop me. Yeah, I think when, I mean, you, you've talked about motivation. So I think when you have the will, anything is possible to achieve. I completely agree with that. And you, you mentioned that you were the only wheelchair uh, student, right? Or a lot of places that you went to, you were the only one in a, a, a wheelchair. How did people respond to you? How did they, I mean, you did mention that some of your friends, they would carry your wheelchair up the floor because it was a walk up. But in general, did you feel any kind of, you know, because people tend to maybe unconsciously, uh, they'd probably Okay, at growing up, some kids can do it deliberately, be mean, but some unconsciously may say, oh, we feel sorry or, you know, something like that. Did you get that kind of a reaction from people? And then if you did, how did you sort of overcome it? Because I can see that you have a, you're very, very spirited and, you know, which is so inspiring for a lot of people to hear. And the the will to kind of keep going and going and you know doing different things and and achieving so much life is long so it's i would be lying if i said uh, there was uh, never some negative reactions or something which would be offensive overall i would say my experience was very positive but i guess it's also connected that if there was anything i would immediately kind of forget about it because that would be from people who meant something to me it would be just from random people who didn't really matter in your life right so yeah yeah. it wouldn't have a huge impact I do remember quote like some phrases that I don't remember who said it or exactly when said it but I've heard phrases when someone who fully like body able to don't have a disability would say oh you know I would I would better die than I was, I would be in a wheelchair. And not maybe it wasn't said directly to me, but just the general attitude to what it means. And I kind of, right now, what I think about that is, first of all, yes, it wants the city or the country doesn't provide any accessibility at all. So for you to be in a wheelchair, it means cut off everything what you ever could do then yes it's quite it could be quite unbearable experience but otherwise if you do have abilities to still go out and do things it just means how you know how sad your life is that if you start to have some discomfort and difficulties you would so easily just give it up I think it's not as much of how difficult is to be 
disabled or in a wheelchair. It's more how empty your life might be. Because definitely throughout um, my experiences, for whatever I was doing, I always needed a very strong passion for it. Because otherwise, it would be just impossible to keep pushing. This is why I think, um, you know, I managed to do something world's first because I was trained to have those high passions and motivations right from the childhood. And um, about the opinion, I guess I would like to share uh, one memory from my childhood. Yeah. So when I was about five or six years old, my parents took took me on the vacation uh, to Crimea which is Ukraine. Uh-huh. And we uh, went to like a dancing party for children. I really loved the music. I was quite a musical child. I played piano. So I went uh, dancing in my wheelchair. And I remember how I was the only child on the dance floor in the wheelchair. And I remember how at some point I noticed that people like people, adults, other children were a little bit like staring at me and looking quite intensely. So after the music was finished, I came to my mom and asked, "Why? what was that? Why people were staring? And I think that was very defining about her attitude. And later on, what became my attitude? She told me, well, of course, people are staring because you're so beautiful. And this is what I think you know, taught me a lot about what beauty means. I think, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's not so much, you know, whether your, your, your inability to be able to do something, I think it radiates from within. I, I believe that that's really true beauty. And then, you know, it's because people tend to look at beauty in a very, very superficial way, which, you know, I mean, looking at you and that that radiance that you have, I think it just completely cancels out everything else that you may be experiencing in terms of your disability, you know? And so, yeah, I'm absolutely, it makes it so special is all I can say, you know? I mean, I I do find it quite, you know, it's when I was in one of, I collaborated with one of the modeling agencies and they would see my headshots or they would see where I'm sitting without the wheelchair and they would find me very interesting as a model and be very willing to work but then find that I'm in a wheelchair and they would cancel and appoint like our work together I find it very ridiculous because I don't see like wheelchair is actually an incredible device that make you be able to move around yeah with the time I see the companies and of course it's still work in progress but they're becoming more and more uh, sophisticated more and more stylish so this is just blown my mind how if someone is sitting they become immediately you you start more doubting they are and the way they look in the comparison that if they stand kind of still doesn't make any sense to me and I really hope that with the time and with my work at fashion industry and the work of millions of other people who care about diversity, it will definitely be changed. Yeah, I am sure it will. It's just a matter of time, I think. So what was your first uh, assignment or first, 
job as a runaway model? And firstly, why did you want, because you said you studied psychology, right? So how did the shift happen into modeling? You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Pyle, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. Shift happened, uh, I was uh, one day after my university lectures, I was sitting in the cafe having a lunch by myself. And uh, there was a really nice lady sitting next to um, the table next to me. And she came up after and she said, I'm a photographer and you look very beautiful. I would love to have a photo shoot with you. And it sounded just a lot of fun and like a great idea. So I immediately agreed. We met upcoming weekend. We went to the park and I had such a great time. I just fell in love with the process of photo shoot. It was my first professional photo shoot when it was just me and the photographer and then she sent me pictures uh, a week later and I started post them on social media it was just the beginning of Facebook and etc all of my friends really loved it and uh, usually how people you know kind of commenting oh you look like a model and then I realized wait I, I really enjoyed this process. Is there anything I can do to be able to make it more frequently? Because I had so much fun. And then from this whole passion and love for photography and being what I felt of being in front of the camera, it was something very interesting. I felt that I could express very different emotions, some emotions even like anger or frustration but then when you look at the picture it can look beautiful in a certain in a way and that made me I guess was like a therapeutic result of making you accept yourself in the moments not just when you're happy and smile and it looks so pretty but how it can still be beautiful when you're sad frustrated or angry I started um to look online if there is any models in the wheelchairs or anything like that and the only thing that I found was an article from 1998 by about Alexander McQueen British designer who invited Emily Miles, this beautiful lady and he created two extremely beautiful prothesis for her and um, she was the model for his runway show Back then, in the 20th century, it had a huge success. And when I looked at the pictures, what struck me is that people at the during the show, they didn't realize that she has disabilities, that she actually, it's, those legs are artificial. Because they were so beautiful and so in the kind of unit of the clothes that she was wearing as well. So that experience inspired me and that actually inspired my whole career, which happened later on, because I was looking at that and I wanted to see, and I was told myself, I want to see a runway show, which gives the same feeling, but with a model in a wheelchair. And that was the start of um, when I finally achieved it. <laughs> and so when was that? When was that? And what was the fashion? Was it fashion show? And where was it? And what was that experience? The excitement of actually, 
you know, being a runaway. It was a really long story before the show actually happened. First, I started to build up uh, my portfolio. I uh, just was, how did I do that? Well, I was just looking for photographers online in my city. And the one that I really liked, I would be writing the messages and saying, like, I just sincerely how much their work is inspiring me how beautiful it is and if there's you know they would be willing to create something together I would be very up for it so actually once you are very sincere and once you're reaching out to people about their work how much you truly in love with it people are willing to try if they like your look if they like your energy they're willing to work with you so that was the way i started to build up my portfolio and then the next step was to find a designer that took me quite some years because there was not just any designer i wanted a designer who would share the same vision with me designer who wouldn't just you know, take me in my regular day-to-day wheelchair and put me on the runway. I wanted something spectacular like Alexander McQueen did. So that definitely took some time to find and meet different designers. Actually, how I started off was really funny uh, because I opened uh, the website of Ukrainian Fashion Week and there was uh, all Ukrainian fashion designers that, that participate. I, by one, one by one, I started opening their websites, see what work they're doing. And if they, I like the work, I would pick up my phone and start calling them. I think it was quite crazy because I was just the girl who was calling those fashion designers saying like, well, I, I wasn't saying that I want to be like a model in your show. I was saying that I have this revolutionizing idea, which definitely will be able to change the whole perception of the fashion industry. And we should make a runway show with a model with disability. So some designers, all designers were quite shocked and surprised. <laughs> and I didn't really understand, like, wait, who are you? <laughs> like, are you? Who are you again? So, but that actually brought me somewhere. It didn't bring me to meeting the designer uh, who I wanted to work with, but it brought me to, at some point, uh, I guess some designers shared that this, there is the girl who is calling and I got the message from one of the co-founders of Ukrainian Fashion Week. And he said, I've heard you have this idea, which I think is great, but I, I'm not sure what designer exactly would work with you or would willing be to do something like that but what about you come to our fashion week and be like a hostess there and see how it looks like and maybe meet some people so I I agreed to that because I I just for a context no one in my family worked in fashion no one had any connections and no one really knew anyone so that was my kind of a way in Uh, so I went there um, and then something funny happened. Uh, there was one specific designer who I was thinking would be the most open-minded. And one day during the fashion week, I saw he was coming in to the building. One of the girls who I was working with said like, oh, it, it's him. You should go and say what you wanted. So I just kind of mentally prepared to say a speech. I came to him and uh, I started to talk and then he was trying to he was like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm Andrew. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So Andrew, and I kept 
kept just talking and it happened that at the end of this conversation he was like I'm so sorry but I'm not the one you took me for I'm I'm not the designer I'm a photographer and it happened that they shared similar the same name and they looked very similar <laughs> which uh, if in the fashion industry people knew about it and talk about it but he really loved my idea and he said let's do a photo shoot together which would become an exhibition so it was my first uh paid work with a photographer and it became a big exhibition first of such kind in Ukraine that's when I became Ukraine's first model with disability and that got started to get attention from media um, and some Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. We're in around the August time. It was picked up by uh newspaper in the UK and that's how I got my first uh coverage in Daily Mail. So okay, so then and so that's how you know your your life kind of took a very different uh Yeah. <laughs> and that did change. Yeah. I uh, started to get uh, different articles and requests for the interview from basically all over the world uh, because the first article was very popular in daily mail and um that's how things didn't become easy in terms of so how did moving to london happen after a lot of work in fashion industry and my first runway show and then my experience of working in india which was very fascinating so i signed with sorry with the with the fashion week in india is it yeah i signed the contract with the modeling agency in india just with my, i have a very interesting story with modeling agencies I um had a manager at the time who was also my friend and always believed in me and the whole idea that how much fashion should change we wrote together more than 300 emails to like more than 300 modeling agencies around the world and at that moment my pictures were already in like Huffington Post the Guardian you name it basically all most of the major uh, news outlets around the world but still modeling agency were saying to me that market isn't ready and they don't think that there's going to be clients and there's going to be an interest 
to hire me as a model. So the only positive response I got was from a modeling agency in India, which invited me to come and to move to New Delhi for a couple of months. Sounded quite a crazy idea, but why not? And so after I came back from India, which I would say was semi-successful experience. I, again, I had coverage in uh, Hindustan Times. I did the runway show there, but it still seemed that a lot of brands were hesitated to hire a model in a wheelchair and um, especially different luxury brands. So when I came back, I kind of saw that I've done most of the things that I wanted to do in fashion industry at that time. And uh, what was inspiring for me personally is how me working in fashion was changing the people's perception in general of what disability is, what disabled people are capable of doing. When I was starting off, no one could imagine that a girl in a wheelchair can be seen as a celebrity, if you know what I mean, in my country. But then years like two, three years later, uh, that became very normal. And they were very proud that about me, Ukrainian girl, a lot of world media is right. Sometimes, because Ukraine was going through quite a difficult time, there, you know, on the Daily Mail, I was the first positive news about Ukraine in a, quite a long time. So I wanted to create a change on a more systematic and sustainable way, not just, you know, when you find the right designer, when you find, create the right photo shoot, it felt like the industry was still a bit slow. So I, from a friend of mine, I heard about Zinc Incubator, which actually, by the way, have an opening right now. So you can apply as well and check it out. Wonderful program for entrepreneurs around the world. Uh, they gather 50 people and then they mix and match them to among around the social impactful mission to create a new company. Uh, even though back then I didn't have that much experience of leading uh, business, I had a lot of experience in other areas and I guess uh, my passion and determination. That's what I was picked up as one of the participants of the program. I was the first Ukrainian to come to the program to London. And this was my how I moved. And I started my journey already as a founder. First, um, even though I didn't create at the end of the program, I started to collaborate with another co-founder and we were working on accessible navigation app. At that year, I realized that actually um, my experience, most of my experience still is in the fashion industry. So I would love to do something in there. And living in London was, you know, the city where always rains and whatever I so I will always get like sucked into the water. I started to think, okay, I need a raincoat, but I couldn't find anything stylish for, especially considering the fact that I'm in a wheelchair, something that would be convenient to put on and take off, something that will be able to cover my legs, wouldn't my sleeves wouldn't get very soaked in water and dirty. So I thought, because of the zinc experience of the program, it kind of made me, uh, taught me how to think about any problem that you face more as a, how to solve it as a founder of a business. 
So I like like an opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I started to to ask everyone I met here in London with a disability. So what do you do? What do you wear? And I've heard that people actually say, well, I still struggle. I don't have anything. Or I just use the taxi to move around if it's a rainy day. Um, And that wasn't a solution as I was hoping to hear. So I reached out to the designer, same designer with who I made the runway show back in Kiev, which was a big success. And I told him that I have an idea for business and I have an idea for features that we need for this raincoat. Um, And it was right before the pandemic, uh, at the beginning of 2020, we formed a company which we called Puffins. And the name actually has a lot of meaning because Puffin is one of the birds that can swim, walk and fly. And this is kind of the same attitude that we want to philosophy that we provide with our company is that it's about universal design. So people that can walk, run or sit will be still enjoying the product. So somewhere in the February 2020, we started to create our first, working on our first prototype. And around the same time, I found out that I'm pregnant. Ooh. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, which was quite a surprise for me, quite a joy for my husband, because he always wanted to, uh, to have kids. Uh, so then pandemic happened, actually. So it kind of delayed our plans on the launch of the company. But it was um, good that my husband was working from home. So during my pregnancy, he was always there for me and he was always helping because, again, because of pandemic, none of the relatives could come and travel and help. It was quite an incredible experience in many different ways. I was told when I was young that I would never be able to have children. And I kind of made my peace with that idea. I mean, when I heard that I was like 18 and uh, children wasn't something that I was <laughs> interested yeah. in. Yeah. But I, so since then, I lived with the idea that I will never be able to have children. And after I got married and I, you know, I found the person who I actually started to think about children with. But it still was quite a distant idea, you know, maybe like one day I was still mostly considering like surrogacy or adoption or something like that. I never thought that I'll be one of the, um, you know, like my life will look like a scene from the movie when a woman is laying and the doctor is checking the belly and you can hear the heartbeats and the husband next to you holding your hand. So when it, I, I actually didn't believe that I'm pregnant, even though I started to have a morning sickness, but I um, was waiting to go for the first uh, and my test was positive, but I still thought it's some kind of mistake as I was told that I can't. Um, so right before I started to believe it, at least when I was at doctor's room and they, and I heard the first heartbeat of my daughter. And the pregnancy itself was quite challenging, but I think, to be fair, mostly because I was quite afraid and quite worried, which is quite natural for any mother. But uh, in my case, I had a birth injury. So the whole, I think, topic about giving a birth in my family because of what happened was kind of connected to, you know, life-threatening events more than 
a happy event. So I was, um, I think the first my thought was like, oh my God, what if something happens to a baby? Or I thought that if something's going to happen to me, but thank God, uh, everything went quite fine. And I was, I gave a birth uh, through the C-section on the 38th week. And um, my daughter was born. And I remember how uh, there was a lot of like, doctors doing the operation and then one of the doctors came to me and he said I'm a pediatrician for the children and I think I'm gonna take off because your baby is fine so you don't need me here <laughs> and uh, that must that was, have been so such a it must have been yeah. a relief a joy you know the you must be so overwhelmed with the fact that you and probably would have taken you time to actually believe and accept that yes I do have a a baby girl a biological baby girl when everyone had said that that was not possible so I think that's that's quite incredible you're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me Pyle on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. It was, and uh, I mean, to be fair, I was so worried about birth that I wasn't really thinking about much what's going to happen next and how many sleepless nights we're going to have <laughs> and how difficult it is to raise a child. Thank God my husband has a ch- had a chance to take a paternity leave, which was incredibly helpful and uh, just necessary for our family. Otherwise, uh, we we didn't have any other support of like relatives uh, because his family lives in Canada and mine in Ukraine, so no one really to access. And uh, there was a, a harsh lockdown everywhere, so no one could really fly to us. That was quite hard. I remember that the first months was especially difficult for me, and my body still felt a bit like after the pregnancy and after. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm quite a tiny lady. Uh, I was uh, weight, I weighed like around 42 kilo before I got pregnant. And my daughter was born and she was around 2.8. So quite a big baby for quite a tiny lady. <laughs> so uh, my, my, my whole body was really tired after this whole experience of C-section and recovering and taking care of the baby at the same time. It was very challenging I struggled with breastfeeding at the beginning but and I remember I started to kind of have falling into postnatal depression because I was really worried that I won't be able properly to take care of the child because of um, you know it's kind of it's kind of sad how during the pregnancy woman is amazed by her body that her body is capable of bring a new life and then after you give a birth you start to be again kind of mean to your body because it's not immediately capable of doing everything it be doing before pregnancy so there was a bit of a period when I felt um, hints of um, depression and anxiety about how I'd be able to deal with this and a huge responsibility probably overwhelming feeling of this responsibility that I never had before. I never really took care of children. I never had experience with babies, same as my husband. So we were just like, okay, what are we going to do now? Because it's just you and I and this baby, and we got to take care of it the best we can. 
but with the time, of course, and experience, now I feel we are very equipped parents. It's she's already eight months old. She already said, "Mommy." Uh, she's trying to walk. A very independent child uh, loves to eat by herself. I'm just every damn. She she learned how to clap the other day, so she's always kind of ahead of the old development points that children are supposed to have at that age. She's very bright child, and I'm very proud of her. So now, of course, it feels already. Yeah, no, that's that's such a special feeling, despite everything else that goes with it. You know, the emotional impact and all of that. But um, yeah, and physical impact, physical and impact of like lack of uh, lack of sleep. And yeah, so I'm yeah. very lucky that my husband. We kind of agreed that uh, he's taking care of the baby at night because. Um, I was taking care of her for nine months of pregnancy. <laughs> right. So, so we have that yeah. deal. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. It, it's a partnership in the end, you know, and mm-hmm. as long as both partners understand that, I think it's it's quite incredible. So so puff puffin fashion, how it, it's already been launched, the raincoat range. Is it available? It's available for pre-sale. We're gonna launch it hopefully at the beginning of June. Uh, right now it looks like I do have already around six stores around the world okay. who will also have puffin jackets. Um, it's uh, in the United States. Are you going to? Um, so currently, it's just uh, raincoats, or do you have other kinds of clothing as well? In terms, we of- do have hats. Okay, we and do have all all kinds of all linked to or skewered <laughs> towards a rainy day, or <laughs> or or also yeah, yeah, rainy or or cold. Well, in puffins, we like to say that we take physical challenges of people with disabilities as our inspiration for design uh, rather than an afterthought which happens in any other most of the other brands so currently we are looking at uh, raincoats because that's what we found the most needed thing so we have it in four different sizes three different colors we have two types of summer raincoat, which is quite light, and the winter one, which is quite warm. And I'm looking. Where, where do you get them? So do you have like a factory or? Yes, do- we do have a factory that manufactures them in uh, in Ukraine. So basically, so you're, you're giving back in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm collaborating with a designer who's Ukrainian. He's just brilliant. You know, it's like when you meet someone and you understand it. This person is a genius and he's been in fashion for more than 20 years. And I've never seen anyone who is that creative and that incredible with the design because I can come to him with any kind of difficulty or issue, what what needs to be in the clothes so we can solve this problem. And he can come up with it like within minutes and it's going to look not, it's not going to be just practical, but it's going to look great. Um so I'm very proud that he is my co-founder and we're working on this together. I can't imagine any other person to do such a incredible job. In the future, we're looking into also doing blazers. So you, we patent our raincoats. 
just uh, the other week. Uh, also, we're really looking into expanding, not just for clothes, but for furniture. We're looking into accessible furniture as the next step of Puffin's uh, development as a company, which uh, luckily happened, designer Fyodor Vazanov, as well as an expert for designing the furniture. So this is, would be our probably step for the next year. Next year. Yeah. Wow. Um, Alexandra, if, you know, like when we, just just as a closing, most of my listeners and, and viewers will be so inspired by your life story anyways. But is there anything that you would like to add in terms of following your dreams or anything, any, anything that from like takes a leaf out of your, your life that you think will inspire the listeners and the viewers? I believe that there is nothing and no one should be able to define who you are or what you're capable of, except yourself. That's the question. Because once you start to believe it yourself, that that's what you are, and what you're capable of, trust me, you will have much more chances to actually achieve it. I remember when I first came to Ukrainian Fashion Week, I was just a girl from a middle-sized town with no much knowledge or connection of the Uh, fashion industry and I had to go to one of the most famous designers and propose them something which at that time sound quite crazy idea so what I did I just as a mental preparation I remember I was kind of trying to convince myself that I already I'm already been on the book cover and I'm already very established and successful model it's just I came back in time and no one remembers about it and no one yet knows but I do know that that's what's going to happen that's that's not just a possible reality that's the fact that the fashion will be like that and it's just the question of who will be that person who will shape it that way and it really helped me as well as allowing yourself to sometimes take a rest to give up to stop doing what you're doing even though because that moments of stillness can actually bring you a new perspective. I had that moment after like my trip to India and I came back and I was quite confused what's going to be the next step that I'm going to do because I kind of stumbled into the fact that I'm not just very rare model, model in the wheelchair, but also I live in Ukraine, which is closing certain paths to different markets in terms of the visa and I became kind of you know gave myself some time I wouldn't say I gave up I gave myself some time and then it changed my perspective and I went into business and now I'm not just a model but also a founder and I can see how much more I can make a difference and much more I can influence the industry in this new role and it's very inspiring for myself that actually you can, you don't have to totally give up on the vision. You might just stay still and then change the perspective how you're going to get it. 
That's really well sort of articulated. And I'm sure, you know, just like I feel, I, I'm so happy to be talking to you and I'm, I'm feeling so inspired listening to you. I'm sure my viewers and listeners will feel the same way. And it's been a privilege talking to you, Alexandra. Thank you so much for your time. And I have to say that I've really, really taken away, you know, a few learnings for myself as well through this conversation. And I, I think it's been very special. So thank you so much once again. Yeah, thank you for interesting questions and insightful conversation. And if there's anyone who would be interested in uh, collaborating with us or reaching out, please feel free. There is puffinsfashion.com and um can send us a letter and i'm very open to like-minded people great i'm sure the message will be out there and um, i wish you all the luck and enjoy your daughter you know it's like so you have a new baby and puffin is also a new baby and uh, good with both and a lot of work (laughs) work yes but it, it will eventually pay off so you know just just keep smiling and you know you do radiate that energy which which i'm sure people who are watching this this conversation will take away from like i have so thank you very much once again alexandra thank you for more weekly conversations do listen to melting pot on spotify apple and google podcasts follow us on youtube and on instagram at podcast melting pot So until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.